Welcome to the Restoration Church Life Podcast. This resource exists to keep you informed about the various happenings inside the life of our church and equip you to apply the gospel to all areas of life that together we might delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Okay, Restoration Church, here we are. This is the final session of now. This is, will be, is Joey, is this number the, five? This is number five. Yeah, it so is. we could probably have five more and not still it not be enough. Uh, but we've been talking a lot about pornography, its pervasiveness in the life of the church, um, why it's wrong in the eyes of God, ways in which we be, can begin to attack it. Last uh, session, we talked about uh, what this looks like, you know, kind of some first principles when this happens in marriage. And we we address singles in the midst of that, at the very front end of that, but we recognize that um, uh, pornography has some uh, more difficulty you know, it, it, it expresses itself in ways because there's a covenant between a man and a woman. Uh, and so we want to talk very carefully about that aspect right. of how porn. Yeah. And, yeah. And just to say it again, this is not, I mean, sometimes we think that this is a one-sided issue. It's only for men. It's only for women, but this, this affects both. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, you know, both, both are sinned against yep. and both participate in the sin, men and women alike. And so it's an equal opportunist. That's right. Uh, issue. So, yeah, so we're going to try to be a little bit more practical. The last, uh, podcast we had talked in the marriage piece. We talked about some kind of principles, some things to be thinking through. And so now we want to try to whittle it down a little bit more, get a little bit more practical. It's still going to be difficult. Sure. Uh, but the first thing I think we want to say, right, Joey, is is to go back and listen to that session three that we talked about, That's right. the ways in which to you know, flesh out this sin and begin to attack it. That's right. We mentioned there's three Ways in which to do that. Yep. A brief so, overview of those. Yeah. So this is spe- specifically for the person that is that has been uh, partaking in the sin. So yep. so how do they begin to fight against those things? And Nathan, what was the first thing that we first said? one is you got to pursue the Lord. We understand that you know as Jesus says in the book of Mark, I think it marks chapter four or is that seven? It's Mark seven. Mark yeah. seven, where yeah. it comes out of the heart. You got to work from the inside out. So you got to pursue Christ, pursue purity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to come in meditating on the Word by repenting of sin by prayer by sitting under good teaching just all these things surrounding yourself with the word of god yeah. uh, secondly secondly is we we were meant to live in community yep. a gospel community and so this i think can be especially hard in a marriage mm-hmm. uh because the person who's been sinned against can feel a level of shame or the person who has sinned can feel a level of guilt and shame and so they don't want to they want to the the husband and the wife want to try to just fight this together and uh, speaking out of experience, that just doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And so even inside the life of a marriage, yes, you have the community of your spouse, mm-hmm. but God has also given you a church. So inviting trusted others in to walk with you in that pain and yeah. that what does forgiveness look like? And that's tough because yeah. there's kind of shame involved yeah. and all that sort of thing, yeah. but you still have to do it. Yeah, so involving community. Yeah. So And the third step would be just those gouging out eye, cutting off hand kind of stuff that Jesus commands us to do. That's the practical steps of getting rid of things. You know, so putting stuff on your computer, allowing people to check your computer, getting rid of smartphones, getting flip phones. And I'm not I'm going to keep hitting that because I think that needs to be more of an option. We should be weird in that way to the to the world. So, yeah, anyway, (laughs) you were born a century too late, brother. That's true. (laughs) There yeah, are, as I've said, there are ways to make your smartphone dumb as well. That's true. That's true. But and it doesn't involve a flip and yeah. hitting the flip, button three times to get to see. But flip phones are a good option. <laughs> anyway, uh, so those are the three things. Just want to reiterate those. But let's, Joey, let's ask the question, uh, another question. This is a hard question to answer. Uh, so we're asking the question, should the, of, the offender, the person that has committed the sin, should they tell their spouse? Yeah, that's a hard question. Uh, Why is it hard? Because there's so much involved. We're complaining. No, there's we, 
we're complex people. Yeah. Our hearts are messed up yeah. uh, in so many ways. And so, so should they tell? Should they tell the spouse? My, my default answer is yes, and here's why. You're not going to be in in danger of violating the Bible if you confess your sin to your spouse. Now, per, it's got to be. We'll talk about this in a minute, but it's got to be done in a gracious way, in a, in a humble way, in a appropriate, way. appropriate way. But there could be there could be a rare exception where it's not appropriate or immediately helpful to confess right here, right now. Now, I'm thinking about. I'm not. I'm not thinking about if it involved another person. I think that's that's a real way. I'm, I'm thinking of a very isolated case of a of a, a very impersonal nature that we want to think about the the more chronic it is the more personal it is the more you better confess right away mm-hmm. and so that's why I say my default is yes you're not going to violate the bible but when you come to confessing you need to make sure that you do it in a way that is loving towards your spouse mm-hmm. and so chances are you've been thinking about it you've been mulling over it and the Spirit has brought you to a place where you're convicted. And that's probably happened over weeks or over months. Mm-hmm. And it, you could be very unloving to your spouse without any preparation, without any counsel, without any prayer to just go and dump it on them and not not serve them in that way. And it might even be a way in which, you know, someone could be selfish in their confession. Just, I want to get this off my chest. I want to get the guilt off exactly. and just drop it on my spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And so in that way, even though it sounds like they're confessing and doing something biblical, they could be selfish in the midst of that. Right. So that's that's going back to what you just said. Yeah. They have to be loving. And so we are not saying it's okay to hide your sin. Never. And we're not saying it's okay not to confess. You must confess this sin to somebody. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there, I know there are there are spouses that have agreements say, hey, you don't have to confess everything to me, but I need to know you're confessing it to somebody. So the question is not should you confess. Mm-hmm. The question is should you confess to your spouse right here, right now? Yeah. And the default answer is yes, with rare exceptions, but we also need to do that in a way that's loving and helpful and not selfish mm-hmm. uh, towards your spouse. Yeah, so, thoughtful. Yeah. That's where we're going to talk about this more in a second, but that's where you're going to need to pull in some other people, in particular your pastors, folks like us, to kind of help walk through what it would look like to confess that because it's going to be hard. Yeah, and for, and for women uh, that maybe don't immediately feel comfortable going to one of the elders, given they're all they're all males. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a community group leader. Mm-hmm. That's why we have female community group leaders. Or maybe there's another trusted person inside the life of our church mm-hmm. uh, that you go to. Yeah, and so, yeah. so yeah. there's men and women. It doesn't that's just right. have to deaconess, be. Uh, yeah. Catherine, whoever. Yeah. So, on, yeah. so that'd be one practical question. Yeah. So uh, just, again, no no one size fits all there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's why we need community. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Maybe another question that kind of comes is, um, we were talking about this off air. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. You know, this, these ideas of, of agreeing to, um, the ways in which we're going to kind of operate as a married couple in terms mm-hmm. of confessing sin. So any wisdom sure. there, Joey? Yeah. I, I think it's helpful to agree on some level of accountability and don't hear me say, that you need to have some written statement right. of, if right. I do X, I will confess Y. Right. Uh, but some general level understanding between uh, the husband and wife about what we confess and to whom. Mm-hmm. So, so I know some some spouses don't want to know every time their spouse has a lustful thought or any time they take a second glance or if they happen to slip up and and choose to disobey the Lord and and look at pornography. On a, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's an isolated incident. Some spouses want to know, 
I don't want you to confess that to me, but I want you to know you're confessing it to people in your community group mm-hmm. or to a trusted person. Mm-hmm. But they had that agreement. Mm-hmm. Other couples may say, no, I do want to know uh, the specificities of your sexual sin and your pursuit of purity. And so I think it can be helpful in those ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, Nathan, you've talked about this before, some things like with Andy. She's yeah. got your password yeah. and phone. And- I was I was in our bedroom the other day. My wife walked into the room, just said, want to let you know, I'm looking at your phone right now, looking at all of your history. Yeah. So I, in, I, I'm not sure how that began. It happened so long ago. But I don't know if she initiated, I initiated, but somehow it's an open agreement to where my wife has open access to all my devices anytime she wants, and there is no way anytime that she that there's reasons but for which she can't do that. Yeah. The only caveat I would give is is I would want her to be careful with particular emails. I gotta be careful with that just in terms of pastoral sensitivity. Right. Uh, but in terms of looking at websites and that sort of thing, um, even we even have things, this is not so much internet related, but if ever I'm going to have we have things in our uh, this is an agreement with us. I'm not going to be in a room alone with another woman. Um, and so therefore, uh, we have things like, for instance, when and if that were to be a potential reality, I call my wife. This has happened with Catherine in the office to where Joey's, there's like a three minute delay, four minute delay between Joey getting here and Catherine and myself being here. I call my wife up and Catherine, you can ask Catherine about that. She vouched for this. I'll call my wife up and say, Andy, I'm going to be in the office for the next four or five minutes with Catherine. You know, are you okay with that? Uh, most of the time, though, we just walk outside. Yeah. But there's various things you can do like that, right? Yeah, and I, I think inside the life of a marriage, you've got to know your own heart, and you've got to know the, the heart of your spouse because you don't want to turn into a policeman or policewoman of yeah. your spouse. Yeah. And all you're doing is trying to track them down. You've got to know your own heart. And again, this is where why uh, community is important, talking about how other married couples do this, mm-hmm. how how they would help us work this out. But agreeing on some type of encouragement and accountability inside the life of your marriage, mm-hmm. preferably this happens before any sin is transpired, right, right. and you have an agreement beforehand. Yeah. But even if the sin has happened, that you once you get to a place where you can, you have this conversation mm-hmm. about what does uh, accountability and confession look yeah. like. And that's going to get into a little bit of the conversation about consequences, too. For instance. So it is possible to forgive someone and yet still have consequences oh, to absolutely. that. Oh, you know, absolutely. And so, therefore, that, can, that conversation is part of those potential consequences. And I think the offended, the offendor needs to understand they should expect consequences in order to rebuild that trust. Yeah. And so, uh, have that conversation in order to work through those things so that you can begin to rebuild the trust and get towards healing. And I think in that, that in terms of the, the accountability, the person who, uh, offended the, the, their spouse needs to realize it's going to take time yeah. to rebuild that trust. They need to yeah. do all they can to graciously, humbly rebuild that trust. And if their spouse asks them a question about their thought life or about their internet activity, not get defensive and jump back. Yeah. Why are you asking me? Yeah. But they need to humbly welcome yeah. and let them know, okay, I want to, I want to serve you in this. I want to build your trust. I want to regain what I broke against you. Yeah. Yeah, so, something I've learned, this is a, a kind of a principle I've begun to adopt recently in my own life is defensiveness is ugly. It's just really unattractive, mm-hmm. just as a general rule. So if someone were to come up to me and say, Nathan, I thought your sermon was terrible, uh, and I were to immediately begin to be defensive about how I thought it was actually really good, just it would just come across as very unattractive. Mm-hmm. So it's just best to entrust yourself to Christ and be gracious um, and understand that being defensive is not the way you're going to build trust. Uh, you need to accept it, be gracious towards one another, love one another, 
uh, and kind of get back on a same page as to what the plan of accountability is in your marriage. Another one, Nathan, it would be an, another question you would ask is, is, is there a role or should we pursue counseling? Yeah. Uh, when, when, uh, pornography comes out in a marriage? Yeah. So the answer to that one is on the surface level, really easy. Yes. There's no doubt about it. But the reality is all of us need counseling and all of us get counseling. That's right. Insofar as we're involved in the life of the church. So Sunday mornings are counseling and the songs that we sing and the prayers that we offer and the, and the sermons that we listen to. Yeah. Community group is counseling. Your personal devotion, your being counsel, all those kinds of things. But probably what's behind that yes. question is the more formalized. That's right. Yeah, question. The, so the more formalized counseling. How would so, we answer that one? I think the answer is once again, no one size fits all, but the answer is certainly that's that's certainly an option. And so whether that's internal or external. So I'll speak to the internal and maybe you can speak to the external, yep. Nathan. And so internally, uh, we have elders and, and some others that have um, either been trained in or by by book or some just by fire, mm-hmm. but have begun to to help counsel others. And all this means is there's there's dedicated time to a particular issue, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that'd be different. For, discipling is just generally following Christ with my whole life. Counseling in this instance would be, we're going to meet and we're going to talk particularly about this issue mm-hmm. in the hopes yeah. of overcoming this for the overall healthier marriage. So that certainly is an option inside the life of the church. And what's an advantage of being of doing that counseling internally? Internally, one, I think there's the overall just wovenness of life together with a church body. Mm-hmm. And so it's just part of what we do. You're seeing life in doctrine. You're seeing life in doctrine. Two, your pastors and, and others inside the life church probably know you better, mm-hmm. not probably, should know you better mm-hmm. than an external counseling. Yep. And so uh, there's there's going to be some advantage that they'll have, but the other one is, is they know your life. They're able to watch you. They're able to laugh with you. They're able to cry with you. They're able to do all these things with you and, mm-hmm. and follow up in a meaningful way in an unscheduled way even. So mm-hmm. if, if, I, if I'm counseling somebody, you know, it would be really weird for me to see them on Sunday and just not ask how they are, how can I pray for them, how are they doing. Yeah. Not that and, they have to bring it up every time no, they see each other, yeah. but yeah, that but, is a possibility. That's right. So I think there's there's some of those inherent advantages. And just quite honestly, um, financially, that's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Like we never want money to be an issue, but mm-hmm. external counseling costs money. And so uh, we get to do it for free, as it were. So mm-hmm. scheduling is easier. So there's some other logistical stuff too. But mm-hmm. So there's heart level and circumstantial. Mm-hmm. But the fact is none of us are omnicompetent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God in his kindness yep. has gifted others uh, to – let their vocation be specifically with counseling. So we think we can think about our own Cynthia Chen. She does some of this. Right. Former member Michelle and Joel yep. uh, have been counseling. So Nathan, what are some advantages, or where would you reference someone to get some external biblical counseling? Yeah. So external, we have relationships in the side of the life of our church. We work with particular external counselors. We have in the past um, where we're happy to refer them to those things. So a well-known, it's, it's well-known around the life of our church. Heartsong is one of those organizations. We work with them, but there's either people outside of Heartsong. Heartsong is known for being biblical counselors. That's kind of a philosophical difference between some other kinds of counseling. But the thing about Heartsong is, is they, they don't take insurance oftentimes. And so, but, so we do have relationships with people that we work with. So it's not work separate from. Uh, we work with them uh, on external counseling peoples like Heartsong. Um, and then there's other folks that can take insurance that we've actually found that are good counselors, that are good Christian biblical counselors that do take insurance. And we work with them. And, and one of the advantages of that is is because 
Joey, you and I are not omnicompetent and not even close. Not even close. Uh, there are other those external counselors sometimes have experience and training that is more specific to these issues where they can speak to them in a more helpful way. Uh, and I think another advantage, too, for external counseling is is some people might prefer a more clean slate to kind of hear it for the first time and kind of hear it fresh and get it going. Now, I still think what you said is the right way to go, mm-hmm. that you know having the baseline information, background, and that sort of thing, and seeing life and doctrine uh, is more helpful. But nevertheless, there are times in which it's appropriate just to have a kind of fresh perspective and let them see that and work uh, towards health. Yeah, and, and even in those cases, we talk – regularly, yeah. uh, you know, monthly or whatever it is with the counselors mm-hmm. and how it's going. So because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. uh, we are responsible for, for their souls and shepherding them and, yeah. and the counselors understand that. So yeah. there, there is a time and place for both internal and yeah. external formalized counseling. Yeah. yeah. And there's, this is, it's serious enough to where these things should be, some kinds of counseling should be happening. We know, we've already said that, you know, you could just default and say, well, church is my counseling. But if this is something that has been pervasive That's in the right. life of a person or in a marriage, then there needs to be some heat put on this. That's right. And, uh, and it's got to die as quickly as we can make it. But we understand that it, this could take a lot of time. That's right. Uh, but it is important enough to take time and money and put to. I think that's what's behind Jesus's words to cut off hand, gouge out eye. We got to bring some sacrifices and that could be again, time and money to put some heat on this. And don't be foolish enough to think that the two of you can work it out on your own and it'll right. all be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. So then we, we've spent, uh, I guess almost five episodes now talking about pornography. What would be the thing that you want to leave our people with? You know, I think the, I, I point them back to Jesus, right? And I mean, know that Jesus is both the power uh, to salvation and to health and reconciliation and forgiveness, and he is also the pattern of health and salvation. Uh, and so Christ is the pattern and the power. He's the power in that he gives us the grace to move towards one another, and he is the pattern in that he shows us how to do it. Uh, anything that you would want to say? No, and I'd, I'd say this this sin, like any other uh, does not define you if you're in Christ, mm-hmm. that there is freedom from shame. Yeah. There is one who knows your sorrow uh, there. And so don't let this one sin be the thing that you think defines your life or yeah. your walk with Christ. Yeah, the reality is you're sinning in other ways. That's right. <laughs> you know, And so yeah. the, the, the gospel is big enough to oh. pay for all those and not just pay for all those, but purchase heaven and reconcile you back to God. And so we've got to, yes, we want to look at the darkness of the sin, but we also want to look at the light and the beauty of our Savior, Mm -hmm. because that will be the thing. That will be the thing Mm -hmm. that ultimately compels us Mm -hmm. to say, not not just I shouldn't do that, but I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that. And so Christ is more beautiful. So pursuing him would be the thing I'd want to let people with. Pursue Jesus. Yeah. And is the church full of a bunch of people that have it all figured out? And this person that's listening to this podcast thinks they're the only one? Absolutely not. Hence the reason for doing five of these. Yeah, no doubt. It's a pervasive issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the gospel is strong enough and beautiful enough to swallow this up along with every other side. Hospital for sinners. We love you, Restoration Church. Count it a joy to pastor you. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Life Podcast. May God continue to give us the grace to make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Jesus Christ in Washington, D.C. and beyond.